Why don't we, when we get started, um, we are Judy and mm -hmm. Woody Square. We work at the San Leandro Church of Christ. That's right next door to Oakland, right across the way from San Francisco. And uh, we consider it a privilege to be here and be a part of the harbor, uh, harbor this year. You know, most of us who are part of a church, we've experienced the challenges of connecting with our community, of connecting with neighbors. And for years, we at the San Leandro Church of Christ have wanted to do something better. And we've found that better in Resilience Hubs. Now, before we talk about Resilience Hubs, I want to give you a little bit of background. So about four years ago, um, a group of us really concerned about the steady decline of the San Leandro Church. In fact, in fact, the decline that just goes back a couple of decades. We asked their elders, hey, can we bring in a couple of church consultants to just talk with us and maybe uncover some of the things that we might be able to do better? And so we decided to bring in, I don't know if you know, Stan and Jean and Granberg. And they came in and we put together a group of about 20 individuals diverse group, different races, different genders, different ages. And we wanted them to be a part of this weekend of assessment. And after that weekend of assessment, Stan and Gina said, we were in this life support stage. Yeah, that's right, the stage right before death. Yeah, you know it. We were challenged to reevaluate some things to reevaluate every single thing our church had been doing the past few decades, as well as just open ourselves up to what new thing God might be calling us to do. What might God be calling us to be in 20, well, this was back 2019. So this group, we decided to call them a redevelopment team, and we continued to meet on a regular basis, and we prayed a lot. We prayed a lot, asking God to help us to see what we're not seeing. And here are some verses that helped guide us as we were in this search mode. First one was from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so the people of God who found themselves in this foreign land, and found themselves in Babylon, they're asked to plant vineyards and tend gardens and start families and build houses, because God had a new future for them. A new future that they may not could see yet, but it involved pursuing the welfare of what was best, for Babylon, for this new country that they were in. It involved praying for Babylon. It involved putting Babylon's interests to some extent above their own. It involved putting boots on the ground. Altruistic? Nope. <laughs> Self-promoting. Their welfare, their thriving, goes hand in hand with ours. And so with that verse in mind, with these verses in mind, 
We opened up our eyes, we opened up our minds to what God might be leading us to in the future. And we were open to the fact that it may not be like the church of 1960 and 1970 and 1980 and 1990 and even 2000. We believe that God was leading us. And we wanted our church to believe and hope in this God, this God who resurrected Jesus from the dead, who's leading us into the unknown. You could take us from this life support stage to a stage of thriving, of thriving. So we already hosted trunk or treat events in our neighborhood for several years, as well as national night out. Night out. How many of you have done national night out? Um, okay. What is uh, it? It's on the first Tuesday night of every August. It started at how many years ago? I think a long, a long time ago. It was basically for neighborhoods to kind of connect with local law enforcement and kind of be like, hey, let's look out for each other and yeah. let's get to know the firemen and the policemen and the community leaders and, exactly. and neighbors to kind of get to know each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know how many years ago, but a few years ago, we got wind of National Night Out and began celebrating it with our neighbors. And, and then we did Christmas caroling to different houses on on the block, and I still remember one son who was in college came to the door. Mom, there are these people singing, and they're singing these Christmas songs. Mom, I, I, I thought that only happened in the movies. <laughs> I, and later on, I want, I want to study, yeah, I, I'd like to study the Bible with you anyway, and I, I, that's not in the script, I know, but that's a story that came to my mind as we went to Christmas caroling. And then we, the pandemic hit. The pandemic hit, and we had to adjust our antenna. And we continued to scan for opportunities. A daughter in our church, the daughter of one of our members, uh, worked at a company that were giving away Easter baskets, they had too many supplies and, and people weren't buying Easter stuff during the pandemic. And so we got a lot of free stuff. And so we decided to post on nextdoor.com a drive-through giveaway <laughs> Easter basket occasion for our neighbors and people in the community. We got a really good response and an appreciation from our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So our antennas were still up, you know, we were trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and how he was guiding us. And then our nation was shaken by the murder of George Floyd. And so we organized a demonstration on the street outside our church building because it's a major thoroughfare in San Leandro. Because one of our young adults said, I would really like to march, but I don't know who to join or, or whatever. So he said, okay, we'll do it our, ourselves. So we had 150 people um, came out to line the street with signs to protest racism and police brutality. We advertised on Dextor.com so that the community would know. Uh, cars passing by honked in support. And several families with children came up to us and thanked us for hosting this event. They said that they really had wanted to show solidarity with the movement, but they were hesitant to join other protests because sometimes they included destructive elements, or they would spray paint things, or they would chant things that they weren't in agreement with. But they said, hey, when we knew that a church was promoting this, we knew we could join it, be a safe place to protest in a healthy and positive way. And so that was a really um, a bonding time with us and the nearby community. They saw us as a safe place to, to do some activism, you know, on the, in, the, in the realm of social justice. 
And along with that, right soon after that, we hosted two listening summits for racial justice in June. We wanted to provide a safe place for people to talk and share and process together. We heard from different races, as well as speakers from law enforcement, education, and local government. In addition to listening to other stories, we heard about action steps that we all can do to advance racial justice in our society. Um, and so uh, if you go to our church website, if you wanted to listen to one, the first one is just audio, and I would suggest do the second one. The second one has uh, visual. It's long, but you know you can kind of uh, you can toggle through or kind of fast forward through here. This person say a few things. This person we had white, black, law enforcement, local government people. We had a kind of a variety of people. And it was a good time just to listen and hear people's stories and what they were concerned about and what they were feeling. Just kind of process together. Um, and so, and then after that, we hosted a prayer vigil again um, right outside our church on the sidewalk there. And um, here's the flyer that we sent out to the community uh, to join us um, in the prayer vigil. Um, and here's a few images. Um, so there's, yeah, so we hosted it right, right here in front of you see We're on a major thoroughfare. So on right both there. sides of the street. Yeah. Well, that, I was thinking the prayer vigil was right there. Oh, yeah, the, the prayer vigil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and here's just like a little mini side so of uh, just, uh, just images from that. that and this is a vigil. ship of our church. What we decided to do is profile um, a lot of the names of folks who had been killed by the police over the last couple of years that were kind of in the news. We gave little bios of them. Uh, we prayed in general over the whole um, situation and just brought awareness. Um. The police came to this? The police didn't come to this one. They came to the listening summit, yes. Yeah, police yeah. chief was on the listening summit yeah. and national night out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, police officers come and right. yeah. And again, we had um, a, few, a couple of children came to this. Again, it was a safe place to, to, to shed awareness, to talk about it, to bring concerns forward, and, but in a way that wasn't going to traumatize kids or, or, or get to something violent or, or inappropriate or, you know, whatever. Um, so we get down to, where am I? <laughs> so at the end of 2020, the city, the city of San Leandro sent emails to a few churches and other nonprofits asking if anyone was interested in learning about how to become a resilience hub. And you know, Woody and I, we'd always wanted to investigate uh, the possibility of our church being an evacuation center you know, for the community in times of disaster. Over the years, we had watched news programs reporting on wildfires or tornadoes or floods, forcing people out of their homes, and how local churches opened up their doors as shelters. We felt this was an opportunity to be investigated. So we jumped in and signed up for this series of Zoom workshops. And the rest is history. <laughs> but so what is a resilience hub? So um, here are some definitions um, that uh, we can show you on what is a resilience hub. So here's one from the PG&E website. Um, a resilience hub provides a physical space or a set of resources that support resilience in communities, including access to power, shelter, or information during climate-driven major weather events or other extreme events, while helping to build and sustain year-round community adaptive capacity, especially for vulnerable communities. And here's one from the Urban Sustainability Directors Network website. Community-serving facilities meant to both support residents and coordinate research, resource distribution and services before, during, or after a natural hazard event. And so that's what we, that's what we were, thought we were doing in the beginning. Just, just, we're going to set up as an evacuation disaster place. People can gather here during power outages, whatever. 
But, um, but there's, it's actually a broader thing. And so from the San Leandro, our particular cities, um, I'll go back one way to the San Leandro, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one, no, no, yes, this one. From the San Leandro Resilience, that's our particular cities one. Um, it's the Resilience Hub Initiative is centered in equity and supports a trauma-informed response rooted in three pillars. So only one of those is emergency preparedness and response. The second one is ecologically-based climate solutions, and the third is community care and belonging. And we found when we found that was the third pillar, we're like, we know how to do that. <laughs> it was really kind of cool, because they were saying, well, do you know how to do mutual aid? Like if somebody dies and you need to bring them you know, food, and, and then and somebody needs you know, rides to the, to, the, to the doctor, and like, yeah, we do it all the time within our own community. We can kind of teach the community how to do that, get them into that. So it's kind of cool to, to know that that is a, a, one of the three pillars of becoming a resilience hub. And here's the reason um, the city of San Leandro reached out to us to become a resilience hub, um, according to their website, because community-based organizations, such as faith groups, mm -hmm. nonprofits, and schools, already have existing relationships and community networks, residents will be more likely to seek resources or help, or help from them in a disaster. Right? They already know us. We're already trusted. Um, community people. Uh, rather than recreating the wheel, the city's role is to provide guidance and resources to these organizations so they can better serve the community during times of disaster or, during, or dealing with extreme weather events and even beyond. This can look like technical resources on what makes a building climate resilience. It can look like grant writing assistance, programming support, and connecting to regional incentives. The goal is to build greater capacity and enable more spaces in San Leandro to be climate resilient. There's a lot of climate language in there. But there's a lot of uh, resilience in there, a lot of disaster stuff, a lot of let's get be more cohesive community in there. So kind of a lot of little tendrils of what they want to do in these resilience hubs. So how do resilient hubs operate? So there's three different, uh, three different phases. The first phase is a normal, normal phase where resilient hubs provide a home base for residences, businesses, organizations, gather for workshops, for events, for training opportunities, it'll benefit the, the, the community's needs, the neighborhood's needs, uh, including resilience. And they function in a normal mode most of the time until there's a disruption. So tell me some disruptions that might happen in a community or in your neighborhood. There's some different kinds of disruptions. Right. Flood, earthquake, wildfire. <laughs> Heat, yes, mm -hmm. cold, exactly, all sorts of disruptions. So although resilient hubs function in normal mode most of the times, disruptions happen. And when they happen, if you're a resilient hub, you're prepared for most of those, and you're able to respond to the needs of your neighborhood, to the needs of your community in a, in a quick way. Because oftentimes it's those early moments, those early hours, and those early days that are really the most important. In the event of, of a disruption, hubs will switch from normal mode into reacting and responding, like I just said. And then there's recovery mode, which is really, really important after disruption. Hubs are ideally intended to switch into recovery mode. Resilient hubs can play a critical role in post-disruption um, recovery and ongoing community needs. Hubs can act as centers for resource deliveries and distribution, access to support for complicated processes such as filling out relief or insurance forms, or 
and locations to access support services for trauma. How many of you have helped someone fill out insurance forms? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can be overwhelming and you think, oh, this is an insurance form. When you're under stress, <laughs> when a major disruption has happened in your life, a simple form can be overwhelming. So there are kind of like five areas um, that hubs should look at. So uh, one is programming, um, offering additional services and programs that build relationships, promote community preparedness, and improve residents' health and well-being. I can cover a lot of ground, right? And this is where we shine. It's amazing that our city leadership is supportive of us as a church, you know, hosting block parties and movie nights for the kind of the social aspect, uh, workshops like relationship workshops or mental health workshops, um, mm -hmm. because they see the value in residents getting to know their neighbors and becoming a more cohesive community. So it's really cool that the city leader says, oh, you had a block party? Great. We had a movie night? Great. Keep going, you know. So, uh, and then the next thing is structure. Um, this is strengthening the resilience of the facility itself uh, to ensure that it meets operational goals. So that would be like if, if you need earthquake retrofitting or if you need to get a solar panel so when power outages come, you can be able to serve the community, things like that. Um, power, well, I said it, ensuring reliable backup power to the facility during a hazard while also improving the cost effectiveness and sustainability of operations in all three operating modes. And our church is working on putting in solar panels now and getting a solar uh, backup system battery thingy so that we can operate even when because we last you know, last last year we lost power because of the wildfires you know yeah. and things like that so um communications <clears throat> ensuring the ability to communicate within and outside the service area year-round and especially during disruptions and throughout recovery and the operations ensuring personnel and processes are in place to operate the facility in all three modes so as we were attending the zoom workshop sessions the sustainability manager for San Leandro and an intern met with Woody and I a few times and helped us survey our Lewis Avenue neighbors um, on what are important issues for them. And then they also encouraged us to put together a steering committee made up of neighbors and church members to work together in developing the resilience hub. So because of National Night Out and Trunk or Treat, we knew a good number of neighbors and we recruited nine of them to be on the steering committee. So we have four church members on the steering committee uh, who also live on Lewis Avenue. That's one elder, two ministers, and a minister's wife. And then the rest, the other nine, have no affiliation with our church. They just happen to live on the block where our church is. Um, so we are a group of 13, nine neighbors and four church members. So here's a photo of a few of our um, steering committee members. And um, we actually had a baby shower for one of the yes. steering committee members down the street. Yes. <laughs> That's most of our, our steering committee there. Um, and so, but we're brand new to this. We really only, yeah. we've only been doing this, started yeah. in the process two years ago. So two we're starting years. out as a micro resilience hub, yeah. which helps because we're only, we only have like 50 people on a Sunday morning at our church. We're small. Um, and so what we're doing is we're concentrating on serving the 56 households on Lewis Avenue. So we're saying, okay, we'll start out. Let's get a handle on how we can do this with, with just our block. And then yes. if it's going well, and then we get in a rhythm, then we can kind of start expanding out. Um, so our first steering committee meeting was a little over a year ago on March 14th, 2022. So uh, when we did that survey of the Lewis Avenue neighbors, said, okay, what's, what are your concerns? What are you interested in? What is on your mind? You know, what, do you, what would you like help with? You know, whatever. 
it's hilarious that because the top vote getter was more block parties. So we're like, good, we're good at we like doing that. We have fun doing that. We'll I do more love block parties. Block parties. Yeah. I think it's because of that because this is after the pandemic, right? We started that. I think people were feeling isolated and it's like, oh, I actually get to come out and, and, and get to know my neighbors who I, you know, was isolated from and separated from. And we block off both into the streets. We've had live bands a couple of times. Mm -hmm. We had a freelance photographer set up a giant photo booth in the middle of the street to take mm -hmm. photos of people. Anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. Water balloon toss. Water balloon toss. We do all sorts grilled, of things. grilled hamburgers and hot dogs and yeah. feed everybody. And yeah. yeah. Giant Jenga game, sidewalk yeah. chalk. <laughs> Jump bounce house. Yeah. Um, but then the second top vote, vote getter was emergency preparedness. Everybody's like, yeah, we want to, we were in earthquake. We're right. We're like, a half a mile from the Hayward Fault, which is supposed to go off, supposed to have already gone off on yeah. us, and it's going to be like a 6.0, 7.0, 8.0 earthquake when it goes off. So that's on everybody's mind in our particular area. So, and, and plus the power outages from the year, the year before, that was on everybody's minds. So emergency preparedness was the second top. And then the third one was things along climate change, community garden, um, energy efficiency, that kind of a thing was their third you know, major concern. So um, our initial efforts focused it, uh, we focused on trying to get a communication system going. We wanted to have text blasts that would go out for everybody who signed up for the text blasts, um, an email, you know, uh, list, yeah. um, like on MailChimp. Um, Nextdoor.com, we have a little Lewis Avenue group on Nextdoor.com that people yeah. can sign up for. But it was the, here's where we understand, we have not done this well because it's really challenging to get people to give us their info. They're like, well, we're not sure where this will end up. I don't want people to have my phone number, email, I don't yes. want to get a lot of spam. You know, it's like we try to explain, but... Um, you can trust us. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it's been really hard. So that's, that's, this is a work in progress. So basically, yeah. it's just kind of like the steering committee, the church, and a few others who have a good relationship that are on this right now. So our mm -hmm. goal is to get trust from more people to give us information so that we can text out yeah. You know, hey, the church is open now. You know, come on down and yeah. do this. We'll have to probably knock doors to, to let but, them know that. But having said that, we have, you know, 80% mm -hmm. of the community, you know, they're on board. There's a few that are just still waiting to see. How it all goes, yeah. You know. But um, as we host more get-togethers, promote more cohesion in the community, we expect to be able to gather more information as, as okay. time goes on. Um, so the, one of the first things we did, we secured a grant, again, from the city of San Leandro um, to purchase a generator because we don't have the solar panels up yet. So we have a generator so that the power goes out, we can fire that up, and people can come to our fellowship hall and they can uh, charge cell phones, they can charge their computers, they can put their refrigerated medicines in our church fridge. So we're going to provide that space um, and power outages for people who need it. Who need it. Um, so that's one of the first things we did. Uh, we kept going with our block parties. We added movie nights in our church parking lot. You know, project the movie against the wall, and then um, had a snow cone truck come <laughs> on a day it was really hot. Cone, yes. Yeah. And by the way, the movie night was one of our neighbor's ideas. He says, "Why don't we have a movie night? I have a projection system. I'll set up everything." Mm -hmm. And he took charge of it, which we thought was, "Oh yeah, okay." What movie did you show? <laughs> We showed first of Raina, the dragon one, that Raina, and then we showed um, what was the one about um, the oh, Day yeah, of the yeah, Dead? Yeah. Um, they were they were both children. Children. I mean, animated because we want to make sure that he's got yeah. a five year old. Coco. Yeah. Coco. Coco. So Coco. Yes, we showed Raina the dog dragon, and we showed. There's one more. We, we actually we had a third one. I forget what it was. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, it was the the one with the saxophone player? The um, oh yeah. Uh, Spirit soul. 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 Right, right, soul right. is good. So there, yeah. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was a kids-friendly environment, and there was there's a couple. Um, they started uh, opened up an ice cream shop just on the corner, and they said, "You know what? We're going to bring free ice cream to everybody at your movie night." So they came over with free ice cream yeah, for everybody, yeah. and uh, we're like, "Okay." Something's happening here, God. Oh. We're open. <laughs> and and right now we are working on traffic calming e- efforts because it's really important to the neighbors. Our block people race down our block. It comes comes off the major thoroughfare. Um, we doing speed bump, trying to get speed bumps. Haven't been able to get those yet. City council meetings, all this kind of stuff. So we so we're working on traffic calming because that's that's what's important to the folks on Lewis Avenue. And then our latest project was a community garden. Oh, well, 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 oh. No, just say something. Oh, generator. Oh, yeah, I said but, the generator. You just said the generator. There's a generator. But, and she mentioned the grants, $2,500 grant twice. Well, that's going to come. Yeah, oh, that's going to Oh, yeah, so we sorry. I jumped ahead. $2,500 grant to buy the generator. And, um, <coughs> and now we, from a different organization, we got a grant to do a community garden. And see, this, this is like a trending thing, right? It's like kind of the new thing. Let's do climate mitigation stuff, let's do energy stuff, let's do, and so you'll find that there's a lot more out there just in the last few years uh, that are willing to help you do these kind of efforts uh, to and involve the community. So um, we are planning, uh, oh yeah, there's some more too. Movie nights and, uh, forgot we had Sorry, these. I got behind. Forgot we had these. Okay, here's there our community go. garden. <laughs> so behind, Behind our particular, see the, well, we're going to say this later, but I'll see it now. Yeah. The church is on the corner, and then there's our preaching minister's house, and then there's our house, Woody's associate minister. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're forced, we have this very unique situation where we have the church, parsonage, parsonage, and we're on the block with all our neighbors. So it makes it much easier than for those of you who might be in churches, so here's your church, and then there's businesses, and, there's, and then way down there are some actual houses. It's a little more challenging, so we, we kind of have a, a, we had a, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Big Step ahead, yeah. you know, because there was a right on the block with the neighbors. Yeah. So behind our house, um, a little playground area, and all around it, we're doing this community garden. And neighbors came out, church members came out, and together uh, we put in this community garden. And we talked about the solar panels. Okay. So with the solar panels, when once those go in, um, we're hoping that we could be a cooling center because last summer the city actually called us. They were calling around to churches and stuff saying, hey, do you have air conditioning? We're looking for more cooling centers because now we're getting more extreme climate weather, right? We didn't, in San Leandro, you didn't have to, you did not have to have, you know, air conditioning at all. But now there's like many days in the summer where it gets up really high and people are vulnerable. And so they called us and said, can you be a cooling center? I said, we're so sorry, we don't have air conditioning. But, um, once we get the solar panels in, we're going to purchase a swamp cooler just for the fellowship hall. So it, it, there's ones that'll, that'll be indoor, you can plug in, and they'll actually uh, cool an indoor area, a portable. So we're going to get into a portable swamp cooler. You know, so next time the city, well, we'll, we'll call them and say we're ready now. So anyway, that's what we're going to look into um, for, uh, for this summer. Um, in the future, we hope to get funding for emergency supplies to set up in the church parking lot, because our church is really old. I don't think it will um, withstand the, the Hayward quake when it comes. So, but we have a parking lot, so we'd like to get emergency supplies, like put it like near the, little car, the carport tents, and then like 10-person family tents, and because we could set up the whole parking lot 
if, if other people's houses fall down too or whatever, we could set up the church parking lot as kind of a, you know, a disaster uh, sleeping place if, if need be. We're, we haven't got funding for that yet, but that's kind of the next thing we want to do. And um, so right now, um, and we recently become a polling center. So um, now we open up our building when there's election. You know, they use our they use our fellowship hall and they we, we do polling there, which is kind of cool. And we're just now getting into being a, a blood drive place. So our first blood drive is May 24th yep. at our church building, and there's another one in October. So we're just we're just trying to get into this mode of let's open up our building for community benefit, for help. People start looking at our church as oh, that's the church that. It's helping with this and helping with that, as in you know, into blood drives and into, you know, offering their space for as a polling place, things like that, and and just and block parties and just community cohesion, right? So um, we're in a consortium of seven, I think it's now eight actually, yeah. eight resilience hubs that are being developed in our particular city, San Leandro. There's three, I think it's no, the three churches, one temple, a teen advocacy organization, a Korean cultural center, and a community center. But we're the only one that's a hybrid of church and neighbors, again, because of our unique situation. We had already been working on these relationships with the neighbors. Um, so these seven hubs, representatives, we get together like every other month to connect with each other and cross-pollinate ideas. And they're all so different. You know, like one can do, one's doing food distribution on Saturdays. The Korean Cultural Center can't really have people sleep there, but they're doing, they help with like um, paperwork and things. And, yeah. and so we all kind of have different strengths I would say and so we're kind of all sharing ideas about how we can each ramp up our strengths and, and address some areas of weakness and working together to apply for a big statewide grant that'll be available soon and so we re recognize we're in a really fortunate place because the leadership in San, our, our town of San Leandro is invested in this type of thing and recognizes the importance of it and is willing to support and help and you know assign us an intern to help us with things you know there so there we got we getting all the support from our actual governmental local leadership. And so that's been, we've been really taking advantage of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks, Dawn. So some people might be thinking, okay, Judy, Woody, I mean, should churches be spending their time and effort and resources on this kind of service to the community? And not so much specific Evangelistic efforts. I mean, think about this day and age, right? What it's like. How are most churches and Christians viewed by the church? We're often seen with a negative connotation, right? We're seen as narrow. Well, I'm going to let you, you, you call out some of the words. How are we seen? <laughs> Judgmental, homophobic, legalistic, etc., 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 etc. We have to earn our community's trust before we can gain their ear. We have to communicate that we really, really do care for what's for their well-being. We really do want, we do care for your kids. We really do care for your family. We really do care for the quality of life in this neighborhood. We really, really do. How do you show that? Now you guys come inside our church building on Sunday morning. Nah, 
we're taking a different approach. And we'll see what God does. We're responding to their felt needs, and we're preparing ourselves for those days and those times when there's disruptions that are overwhelming, that could turn the world upside down. We want to be there to hold their hand, to walk with them. Like Jean, who lived across the street, um, who's getting older and dying. He's building birdhouses. So you go over and sit with Jean and hear stories about World War II and help him build, watch him build birdhouses. Or Margaret, who has ALS, and says, you know, what do you, can you come over and read Psalms and Mark to me? So you go over and read the Gospel of Mark and Psalms and maybe play a little classical guitar. And, oh, by the way, Woody, uh, I, want you to, I want you to do my funeral, okay, at your church. Mark, I never came to our church. I want you to do the funeral, and, and I want there to be celebration. I want there to be dancing, okay, and my life celebrate. Okay, okay, Margaret. And, and I'm saying, okay, and as, as she's telling me this, her daughter Lizzie is painting her hands and her feet with henna, etc., just to make life more enjoyable for her. Okay, so when it was time for Margaret's uh, life celebration, we had dancing, and I had my hands decorated by her daughter and Henna, and uh, we danced the Cupid Shuffle. <laughs> and, uh, and we're gonna have questions in a moment. I'm gonna, let me, let me, let me keep going. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we've asked this question for a number of years. You know what? If our church suddenly closed its doors, would we be missed? Mark, neighbor? Could miss us? Would our community miss us? And in the past, the answer to that has been, oh, don't think so. Now, for the first time, we're saying yes. Our neighbors will miss us. I've heard neighbors use the phrase, our church. They're not even members of our church. <laughs> I mean, there's one who's come, in fact, Two, well, one has come a few times to our church service, but most of them, no, they've not been to our church. But they look at it as their church. In fact, they've said that they, are, they feel lucky to have our church in the neighborhood. And it's not just because we provide chairs and tables for block parties and movie nights, but the fact that we care on a daily basis, the fact that we're preparing for disruptions in their life, and for disasters. They look at us as a huge value to their lives. Like, wow, yeah. Nope, we've not gotten any baptisms yet. Nope. I think God is doing something. He's moving. And we're hanging on to his coattails and we're following his lead. We're following his lead. Oh, I did do that. 
So how can you, if you if you're interested in this kind of idea, how could you and your church look into becoming a resilience hub? Well, a couple of ideas. First, see if you have a resilience hub program in your city. If you're one of those lucky ones, I think there's supposed to be some going on in Texas and other places. But um, no. see if you, you know, Google it. See if there's a resilience hub going on in your city. If there's an initiative, I should say, it's called a resilience hub initiative. If you don't. You can reach out to your city, city leadership. Um, I think most cities have an emergency management division on, in their city leadership governance structure, structure emergency management um, uh, department. You can even reach out to the Red Cross. The Red Cross will come out and actually train you to how to be um, like a little evacuation center or disaster preparedness. So the Red Cross would come out and train you. You could just even reach out directly to them. Um, there's a website you can check out, resilience-hub.org that I believe is nationwide. Um, and so then, but when what you might want to do is start out with hosting a national night out party, because it is nationwide, for, it's always the first Tuesday in August. And um, I would, you could pick maybe the neighborhood closest to your church, depending on how close your church is to a particular residence area, but I would, I would probably pick the area, neighborhood that's closest to your church. And um, ask them, say, hey, would you like us to, to put in the paperwork to block off your street? And we'll bring all the tables and chairs, we'll bring a grill, and we'll just host a block party for the neighborhood. We'll invite you know local police to come, local firemen to come. A couple, we always have a city council member come to our national night outs. Just get a chance to for the neighbors to get to know each other and get to know some of the officials in the city. Most people would probably really enjoy that. Get a bounce house for the kids, you know, do stuff like that. Um, so that'd be a good way to start out. And then at that at that event, you could pass out a little survey, say, hey, we're just a church looking to want to serve our, we want to serve our neighbors better. You know, we're kind of isolated out here. We want to be a, a better asset and resource to the community. What's on your minds? Maybe there's something we could help with. And you give them a survey, you know, and put things on there like crime, um, climate solutions, disaster preparedness, um, you know, whatever comes to mind, you know, workshops on mental health, or, you know, put a bunch of stuff on there. Um, sustainability in, in community, I mean, gardening, you know, put, put a bunch of stuff on there and then see what you get. And then, you can, and then, you, then you'll find out what's on their minds, what, what are they most concerned about. And then you also kind of have a built-in participation rate because you say, okay, you all voted for this, let's all work on that. Then they might actually come to a community little town hall meeting to talk about that and you could actually help them with whatever's on their minds. Um, so you don't have to be paired up with any government entity to start developing yourself as a, as a resilience hub. Um, you could do it, again, through these ways. Now, the one thing, though, is you will need to have a person who has the passion, perseverance, and time to see this through. Because when we first got into it, we didn't realize how much time it takes a lot of, well, because we have a resilience hub initiative and we're partnering with the resilience hubs and all this kind of grants and blah, blah, blah. It takes a lot of attending meetings and emailing and coordinating and following up with people, clarifying things, researching stuff. It takes a lot of that. So you need to have, um, if you don't have a point person who this is kind of their passion, um, it's going to be hard because it's not just like you do this one-off thing and, and then you're done. And then maybe next year you do this other thing. You know, it takes a lot of you know, all of this kind of coordinating and emailing and researching and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, be open to God raising up people in, your, in the community because we have one person who's on our steering committee who works for the city. Mm -hmm. And so she's an inside person. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned, Gunner, well, one of, our, one of our neighbors, started movie nights. So he's in charge of movie nights now. Mm -hmm. Our community garden, remember I mentioned to you Margaret, who at ALS, her daughter who painted my hands, Lizzie, 
is a landscaper, and she says, I will take charge of the community garden. And she she's, designed the whole thing. She designed all the everything. All the show up. That's great. People yeah. just showed up. Mm -hmm. Shepherd Brian, Brian, our preaching minister, barbecued hot dogs and hamburgers. Mm -hmm. um, different people from church showed up, and she gave them different tasks to do, and they just obeyed. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really cool to get neighbors partnering with you um, in all these areas that um, are, are their areas of expertise, and they want yes. to do it because you have a lot of people out there. And it's like they don't—they don't belong to a faith community. They don't belong yeah. to any kind of community. You know, they have their work and they have their family, but they don't really—they're not really connected to any other group. And so they, our our steering committee, is really um, loves the interaction, you know, with each other and planning things oh, yes. and doing things. And it's great because sometimes our church folks, since we're small, they're kind of all burned out. So it's like in the steering committee, they go, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm like, oh gosh, that's great. I wish our church was like that, where everybody's like, I'll do this, I'll do this. But the steering committee, they're very eager. Cause they, well, they have more time. Because our church, our church people are, like I said, are kind of burned out. But the steering committee is very eager to take on tasks. And I'll go to that meeting, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do that. So it's really cool um, to get them. But we want to have time for questions and Questions answers, and so. comments. Yeah. Uh, you yep. asked a question I was going to answer, and then you okay. said that it was going to come at the end. So mm -hmm. you said that Jesus just go around studying the Bible with people? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Right. He fed the five. He fed the five thousand. <coughs> when they were hungry, mm -hmm. he, he said, "If somebody is hungry and needed yeah. daily food, yeah, covering, yep. covering isn't just clothing." By Thanks, way. John. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's it's, it's yeah. in the tent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you're an Eskimo, build them an igloo. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you if you're out on the reservation, build them a wigwam. That's what we call it in Seattle. Okay. Uh, but, you know, do something. If somebody if somebody is in, 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 in an emergency situation, you don't sit down and study the Bible with them. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's what you're doing. You're giving shelter. You're giving food, and and you're and you're providing a, a social. Uh, you're, you're socializing. So yes, yeah. Jesus. I think he did all those things. Yep. Yeah. And then. Um, the other thing, you said you didn't baptize anybody, but you're going to keep your kids. You're going to keep your teenagers because yeah. you're doing something yeah. to help yes. people. And they're seeing that. And you yes. baptize more of your own youth group. Yeah. If they see you're doing something yes. Christian. That's a good point, John. Jesus is not, not doing something outside of what Jesus was doing. Doing yeah. what Jesus did. Right. He, uh, yeah. uh, I'm making a little speech here, but he healed the 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 drug, uh, the, the somebody with the uh, the, the, the demon possessed man that might have gotten in that situation on drugs or something right. else or maybe maybe even a, a venereal disease but he healed that guy yeah. first yeah. then he could talk to him yeah. exactly yeah. See, then he could talk to him yes. and sometimes we try to talk to him first and say well they're not a person yeah. because they haven't been healed yeah. of, of what's going on so yeah. that's, that's my um, Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Yeah, we do listen to our teens, and we empower them. In fact, you saw the demonstration in front of the church. It was because we listened to teens. Yes. Okay. You may have already addressed this. Uh, there's so much in uh, public discourse right now about post-COVID loneliness. Right? Yes. Right? And it's just yes. a rabid epidemic. Yes. Uh, what, do you have any anecdotes or any stories or any things that come from your neighbors that might address that or do you have a plan specifically to address that well that's what the the block parties are because we, we started with the moving uh, sorry the national night out the, and now we're adding to do try about one a quarter yeah. so either movie night uh, or, or um, uh, block party or whatever 
and the neighbors really like that because they because they've said they've said this is the first kind of neighborhood where I feel like I kind of know my neighbors really well. Yes. Because you know we because I I lived for years in neighborhoods where it's like I knew this person and this person but I didn't know everybody mm. else on my block. You know we live yes. isolated lives. We get in yes. our car and go somewhere and we don't really know our neighbors, right? So yeah, we have heard those comments that yes. this is really nice of, of your church to put on these events because now I feel like I know my neighbors yeah. more. What's the most effective way to uh, get attendance to some of those public events that to people who are reluctant because some yeah. people are shut-ins and they don't. That's why yeah. they don't have an inclination to right. seek what they need. Right. Well, the fact I think when you can do the when you can do the block party right in the middle of the block and you block it off, Thanks. it's like it's right there. Thanks. And so it's like that's yeah. easier because if you say walk two yeah. blocks to the church building, come inside and mm -hmm. do this potluck meal, they're probably not going to do that at the yeah. first, the first, right? So, but if you put it in the midst of them and you come to them and stage it right there, they just look out their door and go, "Oh, everybody's eating hot dogs down there," you know. Yeah. And you put and we put flyers, of course, on the doors. Flyers yeah. are effective by maybe half the people, half the people throw them away. But, and then of course, personal, but again, personal, we were lucky yeah. that we know people. If you can get, if you can get your, uh, we, have, we have a neighbor, Mark, who is like the town, the block ambassador. He's retired, he just walks up and down, he talks to people all day long. Yes. So once you get Mark, a Mark on board, yes. he will do a lot of your oh, yeah. uh, yes. marketing for yeah. you and recruiting Mark for does. you. So he'll be like, are you coming to the block party? Yes. And like, I, I got say, her Mark, too. And, yeah. Tell everybody and he, yeah. he does. And it's not unusual to see, two or three people on the block now talking about different things, looking forward to different things that we've talked about, mm -hmm. or talking about, oh, we we need to do something about this traffic, the problem that we have in any community. Or, mm -hmm. you know what, we need to test out that generator because we never know when we might, yeah, you know, different things like that. That's happening often, Kristen. What is the, uh, the age of your neighborhood? I mean, as far as the, the people in your neighbors? Are they retirees? Are they still working? It used to be kids? all. It used to be all retirees. I didn't say yeah. all. It used to be majority yeah. retirees. But yeah. now, since um, some of our older folks have either died or have moved yeah. out of the area, we actually have now like about six new young yeah, young, young families. families. In. So that's again, this is kind of this is kind of like God's timing on things, yeah. right? If we had tried yeah. this maybe five years ago, I don't think it would have gone as well. Yeah, that's a good but, point. But um, I think it was like point. God's timing in this whole thing because it came yes. at the right time. Yes. And there's um, there's new families on the block now with younger kids, which yeah. and, and like and probably as you as you surmise, uh, they're more eager to do things. If you're kind of older and retired, you're like well, I kind of got my life all set. I don't really need to be running mm -hmm. around doing these things you have provided. But uh, we get older folks out too. We get Lauren. We get and Lauren. We get, oh yeah. So it depends on. It just depends yeah. on. I mean, every and the nice thing about Resilience Hub is you can tailor it to what your community needs. Yes. It, it could look totally different from San Leandro. It doesn't have to look at all like ours. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the other resilience hubs, even though we're all in San Leandro, we're all going to look totally different in what yes. we provide and how we go about it. It's, you know, because we all have a different areas of strength and weakness. So the good thing is you can think of your church and say, well, we couldn't do A, B, and C. But, you know, we could do X, Y, and Z. You know, we couldn't do F, we could do G. You know, and, and you could totally... Because um, you can't provide everything for every, you, you pick a few things that you might be able to provide and you start there. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have a neighborhood council. That's our steering committee, yes. Steering committee, yes. So that's your steering committee. Yes. yes. Right, so we have nine neighbors, four church members, and we meet once a month and discuss all these kind of things, yeah. What's the name of your neighborhood? The Resilience Hub? No, the neighborhood. Oh, Lewis Avenue. Lewis Avenue. Lewis Avenue. Yes. So the, 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 the fancy title for this is the San Leonardo Church of Christ slash Lewis Avenue Resilience Hub. 
<laughs> so it's, it's really is long. So we probably have to think of something. But we want to have the church. Oh, the nice thing about having the church in there is yeah. because if you want grants, they always want to send it to a nonprofit 501c3. Yes. So the neighbors are like, we're so glad you're here because we couldn't be getting these grants because they're not going to just give them to who are you nine neighbors here? Yeah. Who are you? But yes. we're a church established 501c3. They can give us the money and we can distribute it as needed. So it's very, the, the community recognized really quickly once you get a grant, the value of partnering with the church. So they're already yeah. established as a nonprofit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious because uh, you said you have lots of people here at this church. And I was wondering, like, how involved they are. Or um, I know you said there's a few people on the steering committee. That's something we run into as a small church, too. So yeah. It's really right. similar that we're trying to do. Right. And so I'm curious how you guys do that. I, I, the first part I missed was how the, the church members are involved. Yes. Oh, right, right. So we we um, we always and like and well, here's we I anticipated the question like what? How about your elders? You know, you're doing all this stuff and what are your, so that when whenever there's a, a matter brought up in the steering committee, that's really an elder decision. Like, can we use our building this way? Right. Can we do this? We always bring it to we tell our steering committee, hey, you know, we got to bring it to our elders and we'll come back. And we have very supportive elders. They have they have agreed with everything. So it's like, yeah, do that, do that, do that. So it's great. So we, they just kind of rubber stamp it and we come back and we, and we do it because they're very supportive of becoming yeah. a resilient sub. And then that would, and then for any anything we do, it's in the church bulletin for several weeks ahead of time. Hey, everybody, come out to block parties. You can get to know the neighbors on this block. Come out to the movie night. Come help with the community garden. So we always, the church is always invited to every single event of the resilient sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. And you need to be up for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, when you do this, I mean, you know, little Mikey comes and knocks on the door. Woody, can we play strikeout again? Okay, can we play strikeout now in the parking lot? Sure, Mikey, in about an hour, we'll go play strikeout. But it's making connections, right? Yeah. God is doing something. And this is a part of, I believe, spiritual formation. You know, it, anyway, uh, there's a long discussion and we're over time. Yeah. But we'll hang around for a few minutes, so if you have yeah. any questions, we'll hang out here. And thank you very much for coming. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you so much. Yeah.